Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, managing editor of Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulMMA.com, where we had your UFC 225 coverage last night, and FightfulSelect.com. I'm bringing you this show as a free preview of the Fightful Select service. We have a lot of premium content up there from Q&A shows to members-only podcasts, extended segments. Sometimes I post Raw and SmackDown production scripts up there. Early access to my weekly column, the Fightful Wrestling Weekly, where I talk uh, about a thousand words of exclusives, behind the scenes info, uh, give my give my uh, take on it a little bit, but definitely worth at least checking out. You can head over to youtube.com slash fightful if you're on the fence. And I have a bunch of uh, free preview content up there. We also do retro reviews, all kinds of cool stuff in that regard. So check it out. This show is the uh, essentially the anchor of Fightful Select. I usually preview, review, Ring of Honor, Impact, NXT, 205 Live, virtually anything that's not Raw and SmackDown related. And today we're going to review Dominion. Uh, I've got John Morehouse joining me. After that, I'm going to talk some Impact, Ring of Honor, 205 Live, CM Punk's future, and the exclusives from the weekly. John, how are you? I'm good. Uh, That's a lot of wrestling that you've got to talk about today. It's a lot of wrestling I have to talk about every week, but this week was exceptionally busy. Yeah, we had in one day. I had I took in however long the New Japan show was five hours, five and a half hours, and then UFC started early and ran long. It was a seven hour show. Mm. Needed to do a podcast then, and then of course I was up talking to Corey Graves all night. That was that was quite something. I, I wanted to go ahead and get this out of the way. Chris Hardy, one of our Fightful Select subscribers, I missed his question on the Q&A show, and I told him I would get to it. He okay. says, any word on the 205 Live tag team belts? How do you feel about them getting titles? Uh, yes, the, I mean, I know that the designs were submitted months ago. That was, that was done. However, them splitting up Atami and Tazawa made me question if they had pumped the brakes on that or not. And... I don't think they necessarily needed that. Maybe that would, that would be nice. I would like to see them under tornado rules, but also it's hard for me to believe that with about a dozen wrestlers, you can have a formidable hefty tag team division. Uh, of course, guys, I do the Q and a show every couple weeks, dark match commentary. Just go over there and check out the scoops and the, the exclusives that we have over at fightfulselect.com. But now it's time to talk new Japan dominion. John, I got to tell you, I watched the last two matches first. Okay. That was quite a way to spend a couple hours. That yeah. was a nice way to spend a couple hours. <laughs> I watched the whole way through, which it was great. But I, as an older fan, I miss when shows weren't four and five hours long, man. Like, even when they're good, it still sometimes can be tough to kind of get it through, especially when you're, you know, you got other things you got to do. You got wife and kids and uh, work and things. And then when they're not good, like uh, Supercard of Honor, it just yeah. feels like an interminable slog. So I would like to see shorter shows. I don't think that's going to well, happen. I, I that's would not say covering Supercard of Honor, as you did for us, would sour anybody on the long show thing because that show didn't need to be that long. That show didn't need to be two and a half hours. We long. don't need to go back to to that but just as as good as dominion was it was difficult even watching it just i mean i was having to break it up in chunks all day long because of you know kids and things and family was having a yard sale which was you know as miserable as yard sales are and just (laughs) it was yeah yeah, you're right the last two matches were were something Sorry, my mic was muted. Let's go ahead and get started. LIJ defeated Rapongi 3K, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team title match. Uh, Rapongi have turned into one of my favorite in-ring teams, but I didn't think this was necessarily the best effort from either one. I love the LIJ's kick and sidewinder suplex that they did at, at the same time. That was really cool. 
show got dragged around the ring forever, like held by his hand for this Irish whip. I thought that looked really weird. However, uh, there was this last ride lung blower that was really good. A crappy, crappy ending to this match. I thought just not, not really strong. It was really rough. The in-ring work, considering how good these two teams were, just wasn't quite on par. Uh, however, I got to give Don Callis credit. I love the little things he does in commentary when he's not saying things like, oh, they're going to have this many stars in the matches. When he brings up the difference between wrestling boots and amateur shoes. Yeah, that was good. That was good stuff. He talks about yeah. how it protects, how boots protect the toe a little bit better. That's really good stuff. That's what commentary should do. It's a, it should accentuate yeah, the story. As someone, we've both done it. That was, I think, really him and Kevin Kelly. When Kevin Kelly first started doing the New Japan stuff and when they started working together, I thought they were kind of meh, but they've really come into their own. And I think they're doing a great job. And I thought they did a good job telling the story about how, you know, showing you'll have to figure out how to be, you know, basically they got to figure out how to cheat to beat the Suzuki gun guys. But I will agree with you that the match was just kind of there. Like it got the crowd going, but the, yeah, the finish was dumb and it just. It wasn't on par with other junior heavyweight tags that they've had to open big shows like this in the past. I would put the next two matches in also just their territory. Juice Robinson and Finley defeated Jay White and Yoshihashi. I don't particularly care about Yoshihashi. And that's why I want to compliment the commentary team again, because Kelly and Callis were bringing up scenarios and about how he's not had confidence about him and maybe an excursion would help and maybe he's out of the G1. I think a haircut's in order. That's for damn sure. That's for damn sure. But uh, I, I've not seen a Jay White match yet that I couldn't miss. As I've seen this run for Jay White, and you know, I feel almost obligatory. I gotta say, nice guy. I've interviewed him. Kind man, but I look back and I, I remember after Wrestle Kingdom, myself and Robbie Radford were talking about it on the podcast, and we were like, man, a little surprised they had Tanahashi beat Jay White. That was the right call. Tanahashi yeah. beating Jay White at Wrestle Kingdom was the right call. Yeah, Jay White is just and it's the thing, I liked him when he was just saw some of his young lion stuff and it was it was good. Yeah, as far as that stuff goes. And then some of his Ring of Honor stuff was also good. Was it him and I think it was Osprey had like a really, really good match for Ring of Honor. And this I don't know if it's the switchblade thing or what it is, but he is just kind of there. And I would imagine since unless he drops it before july he's probably going to be in the g1 which i'm not looking forward to that's bad idea and cody's not going to be in the g1 we at least according to his twitter he says that he's a little too busy with all in stuff to participate in that who's that uh cody oh cody so that's a big character at the very least that's not going to be in the g1 i love that juice or juice robinson got the pin Mm -hmm. that that adds a little more flavor to this u.s title division which has none uh, Finley is happy for Juice. I wonder if there's any friction that may be caused there. But uh, I could see Juice perhaps getting a U.S. title shot in San Francisco. That would make sense to me. Sure. He needs to I win it. it. He's, yeah, he does. He's a guy who really, I mean, talk about a guy who really transformed himself. You know, he got released by WWE, went, he went into the dojo. Well, he, and wanted, he wanted out of WWE. Yeah. But that, he, that doesn't happen a ton. He has just really transformed himself into this really charismatic uh, wrestler who I really enjoy seeing. And I really like him and Finley as a team. I hope they don't split them up because I could totally get behind like a like a tag league run for them. I wouldn't mind seeing them win the tag league if he doesn't get the U.S. title. I think that could be something because they're both they both appear to be over. Like, why not? Um but yeah, Juice was the highlight of this match. I liked my favorite thing was when he, he put Yoshi in the trio low and then and he did the senton onto both of them. Yeah. That was a cool spot. But other than that, this match was meh. Uh, I actually thought that the third match was kind of fun just because I like Zack Sabre as just this evil stretching submission guy that they've built. And the post match with Suzuki and Ishii trying to murder each other was just great. Yeah, that was the most enjoyable thing about the first three matches, in my estimation. Um, I think Juice winning the U.S. title in San Francisco would be a good move. And it's quite the story as well. And you see what, especially he, Cody, Sammy Callahan, all people that I'll talk about on this podcast, 
they asked out. They wanted away from WWE because they knew that they could make themselves something more. And all three have, uh, regardless yep. of what a lot of people think of Sammy Callahan. He, he's done it. He's he's become a very good character outside of WWE. Suzuki Goon defeated Chaos it, in a night of special matches. Again, this wasn't special to me, but I did like the follow up. Yeah, I love the Suzuki Ishii interactions. Even some of the comic relief that Yano adds. It's just the match wasn't necessarily that great. To me, I do like Zack Saber. I can appreciate his his wrestling ability, but this is okay. I like I like the finish. I like that he the way he countered the low blow and transitioned it into that submission move. I've not I've not seen that before. And when you've been watching wrestling for thirty some years, when you see something you've not seen before, that's you know that's oh, I appreciate that. I certainly appreciate that when you take in as much wrestling as as any fan does that that watches wrestling as on a weekly basis. If you can show me something new or different in, in a three hour raw, then that's, that's great. I think everybody should strive to do that in their matches, at least when they have time to do so. And that's what I think kind of is the appeal of Sabre is he is something different. There's nobody else really doing things like that in new Japan with his character for lack of a better term. Man, Michael Elgin, Taichi, hmm. Hiroki Goto. They yeah. went at it. It was Elgin, good. Elgin looked reinvigorated in this match, I'll say. I thought this was going to be like the go get some coffee, let the dog out, just let it run match, but... It was it, not. <laughs> no, it was good. Anytime anybody ever says, hey, you ever seen a good Tai Chi match, you could point him to this, because he did. <laughs> he was the least of the three, but he played his role, I thought, very well. Uh, Slim Down Elgin was got to really kind of show his stuff, which was great. I actually watched this with my younger girl, because... They got me tickets to the Daytona Beach show later this month. Yeah. Yay. And I was like, hey, watch some of this so you see kind of what it's going to be like. They didn't really like wrestling, but she liked Godo. She's like, he makes it look real, which I think for a someone who doesn't watch wrestling, that's about the highest compliment you can give a guy. You know, Goto's never going to be, I don't think, the headliner. Lord knows they've tried, but he's he's a good B-plus. He's a good B-plus player. He's about the best B-plus player you got. I look at him, and I'm like – he is exactly what WWE wanted when they got Kenzo Suzuki in like 04, 05. Hmm. He is the right size, I think. Suzuki was a lot better, but or a lot bigger, rather. But not better. No, not better. Definitely not better. But no. if Goto was about two, three inches taller, I think that's what they were, were begging to get out of Kenzo hmm. Suzuki and a Japanese star. And that's it. I mean, he didn't have to be like this overwhelming personality or anything. He had a... He had Hiroko there to help him, but they didn't get that. Uh, I thought Elgin stole the show in this match as well. I love the use of the queen suplex, which is the suplex on the, the from the electric chair where he holds the wrist. That was oh, really yeah. cool. A really fun dynamic despite the Tower of Doom. Taichi hit both men with a mic stand but couldn't win. And then Elgin just went on a powerbomb party and won. This was yeah. very good. I was really good. enjoyed this match. I would My only thing about it, as good as it was, I don't think you see that result if it's Impact or WWE Ring of Honor, given the news of the last few months. I don't think there's any way he wins that match. Well, there's still a lot of issues surrounding that. There is a, a lawsuit pending, and it, it's hard for me to pass judgment until all the all the stuff comes I'm out. Not, some, some crazy stuff's been coming out. We I'm won't, we won't go into that. You're way more plugged into that than I am. Yeah. You know, I've met him before. I interviewed him for for a five. You did. It was a pleasant experience. We talked about his wife, who I was a big fan of when she was wrestling. I don't know who's right on that. I'm just saying with everything surrounding sure. it, there's no way an American company would put a championship on him right now. Oh, he got renewed, and that's the thing that yeah. I think may hurt him almost almost akin to Chris Amon, is that he's claiming that this hurt him professionally, but he got a new New Japan deal now. That's your deal. Yeah, but he did get pulled from several bookings in the state. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Him and Goto one on one will be good though. That'll be if that's where they're going, uh, I I can get behind that as a match. Yeah. Young Bucks defeated L I J to win the IWGP tag team championships. I, I think the Young Bucks are just such an infusion that this heavyweight tag division desperately needed. Uh in that same breath. I would say Sonata is as well. Sonata and the Young Bucks adding this new dynamic to a division that 
Oh my God. For a while, I liked Tomatonga, but it was Gorillas of Destiny against a couple other lumbering guys. And they're not really lumbering guys, they're smaller guys, but mm-hmm. it just, the dynamic wasn't great. I can't pretend I've had a ton of interest in this division until they came along and Sonata got involved. The heavyweight division got the hype that I thought that the junior tag divisions wrestling deserved to get. And I have been on board for a while with just combining the two. Yeah. I mean, I thought that's where they were going a couple years ago. I thought the Bucks were going to just beat the Briscoes. Yeah. I thought that was the way it was going to go. Yep. I liked that this match was a lot different than the Young Buck matches that we've seen over the past six months because Matt has been selling the back hardcore. But instead, it was Nick selling because he missed on a kick. On the foot. It missed on a kick, hit the post, and his kicks are such an integral part of his offense now. And they're real good. As a guy who taught kickboxing and breaks down MMA all the time, Nick Jackson has some real good kicks, especially in pro wrestling. Really, really excellent. Uh, Nick's injury prevents a Meltzer driver, and they get hit with their own Indy taker. They end up uh, winning with more bang for your buck. And it wasn't even the in-ring that I thought was particularly that that good, but – and it was, but they have developed the Young Bucks being they into some of the best storytellers both in and outside of the ring in the world. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're still one of those people that are saying Young Bucks don't sell and Young Bucks don't tell stories, then you're just not watching. Yep. I mean, they've, they're out to prove a point this year. And I think they've been out to prove a point since Wrestle Kingdom that they're not just spot monkeys that can't sell. Like they're selling, like you said, Matt Jackson's been selling the back for six months. Oh, I'll, I'll, after, I'm sure Nick's going to be selling the foot now for a while. I'll let say, you all in on a, on a free preview scoop. Uh, it was several months ago. I did a show with Vince Russo that never saw the light of day for Fightful Select. It's still mm. just sitting on there. But when I talked to him, you would expect him to be one of the guys that trashes the Young Bucks. And he was like, anybody who says that they don't sell, do not watch them because they sell more than anybody in wrestling. I was like, man, I didn't expect that one. Did not expect that one. Uh, so they've even gained the favor of some doubters, so to yeah. speak. So I will that, say that's, this, that's good stuff. This is my day. It's not a hot take because we're the day after. Lukewarm take? Room temperature take? Stagnant water take? Tepid water take. This is my tepid water take on Dominion. This was the second best match of the show. Really? Yes, in my opinion, this was the second best match of the show because it's something we'd never seen. I don't think we'd ever seen these guys. It was a good chance for Sonata to kind of showcase what he can do. He seemed to fly around a little more than he usually does because he was able to. You had the long-term injury with Matt with the back. You had Nick selling the foot. They did it consistently. It played into everything. Uh, There were some good false finishes when he hit the – the the indie taker when they hit the indie taker which the camera basically missed but whatever when they hit that i thought it was i thought that watching it was over it was real good false finishes could have seen either team winning it i'm also a big tag team wrestling guy it was my favorite tag team match i've seen this year it's my favorite tag team match i can remember from the last few years probably it was the second best match, and it's one of those that nobody's going to really think because what happened in the last two or three matches is going to overshadow it. Yeah. When we get to the end of the year, people aren't going to be talking about this match, but this was really, really, really good. And to me, my personal opinion, which counts for nothing, second best match of the night. Well, I'm clearly a tag team wrestling guy because for the last two and a half years, I have been FVWA tag team champion. Oh, front of those 150 to 200 rabid fans at the Aberdeen River Park. Bullet Club. Yeah. 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 Bullet Club defeated Jushin Thunder Liger, Rey Mysterio, Hiroshi Tanahashi. It is real weird to think that Hiroshi Tanahashi is an afterthought in any match, but he Mm -hmm. is here. That's weird. When you look at this and you look at the landscape of things and you look at who's in the match and you're like, Maybe at best he's the fourth most interesting person based on future plans because with Rey Mysterio, it's like, is he going to face Liger? Is he going to face Skrull? You have the Cody and Skrull issues. You have, I mean, Liger and Mysterio were supposed to face off. Page, I'd put him I'd put him ahead of Page in that regard. Sorry, Hangman, I know we talk to you all the time here. Although at he carried this back. 
from a wrestling perspective yes, he did. to carry this match. He sure did. And that may have put him ahead of Tanahashi in that regard. There's really good work here. And uh, Mysterio worked really well with Skrull in particular, I thought. I expected miscommunication between Cody and Skrull or Liger Mysterio, but we didn't necessarily get that. And considering the new BTE that dropped this weekend, which I will talk about later, I'm even more interested in the winding road that Bullet Club faces. I, so I, I would hope that they run back Liger and Mysterio or they, they run that in San Francisco because that's a match that California was supposed to get. Mm-hmm. What do you I, think of the match? Well, first of well, the match, I thought it was just cool to see like this wrestling super friends uh, going against three guys who I'm sure, you know, grew up like guys that you've probably idolized and watched and were some of your favorites growing up, I'm assuming. Um, and it was really cool seeing them all together. The match itself, I thought, was just kind of okay. It was fun. I didn't know how really good it was. It felt like, you know how you go to like your local indie and they bring in the names. And so you put your best guys against the names, but nobody really wants to get hurt. And so everybody just kind of goes about two thirds speed the rest of the way. And everybody gets the spots that kind of make everybody happy. And then you, you know, by hook or by crook, whatever your local heels win. Cause they're the ones that are going to be back next month at the armory or whatever. That's what this match kind of felt like to me, except of course, on a way bigger scale um it was cool seeing ray in there it was weird his mask was super cool with the half new japan lion i thought that was real cool uh i'd like to see a ray and Skrull match one-on-one for sure i'd like to see a ray and page match one-on-one i thought their exchanges was like the biggest highlight of the match in the ring um and tanahashi was uh present yeah he was there he was, he was, he was there. certainly there he was there it's weird because like it feels like maybe that I'm sure he's going to be in the G1 and all that. And Tanahashi is always going to be, you know, Tanahashi, I guess. But it feels like that match with Okada last month may have been the start of maybe, maybe they're going to de-emphasize him a little bit. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying, oh, he's going to be in the, the New Japan Rumble come January or something crazy like that. But, you know, he is getting up there. He is. His body's got, a, got it already breaking down. Main event. I think that a lot of possibilities are available because yeah. I mean that that really opens things up. It'd be like I mentioned on the UFC 225 post show podcast last night. Go check it out, you guys. Plug Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. If he loses the <laughs> flyweight championship, that opens up the division. Yeah, Okada losing the IWGP Heavyweight Championship opens up the division, and we got we have a bunch of fresh stuff for Kenny Omega. Speaking of IWGP titles, the junior heavyweight title, Hiromu Takahashi defeated Will Ospreay. The action here was insane. I pride myself on Mm -hmm. being able to break down wrestling. I don't even know how to begin to break down this besides that it was 100 miles an hour, and they found a way to drop each other on their heads a bunch of times without making it look even remotely dangerous from an execution standpoint. Like I saw it, and I was like, yep, they're going to be okay. Uh, Takahashi threw one of the rare shotgun drop kicks I liked. The crowd was going nuts for him. The velocity and power on every move they delivered was at 100. They saw this. They looked at the landscape of what was following them and what was going on after that. And they said, all right, let's do this. This match ruled. If they were actually destroying each other like it looked like they were doing, there's no way they could have kept up this pace. There's no way they could have kept up this match the way that it went. This was really, really great. What did you think, John? It was it was real good. It was like... Um... I feel like this is such, it's a very polarizing style. Yeah. You either love it or you hate it. And I do agree with you. You know, everything looked as safe as it, safe as relative when you're talking about a match like this, you know, like, and I agree with everything. Look, you know, like, okay, that was, you know, that didn't look like a catastrophic landing or anything, but man, you just, I just wonder about the, the accumulation with, with these guys, you know, like I really hope that these guys can, can walk around when they're, when they're my age. Cause they're both super talented guys with a lot of talent. Um, I liked some of the little things. I liked how the, the peeled back mat uh, there at the very beginning was the, the, it was your gun on the mantle. You know, the minute he did, I was like, Oh, and then sure enough, later he got, 
he kind of twisted to try to avoid as much of it as he could. That that played back into the finish. Um, I think the right guy won for sure, given just how hot he was coming off Super Juniors. I also think it's interesting as we head forward for New Japan where they have the new president or CEO or whatever title he is and him being a, a, a Westerner. And now you've got foreigners holding almost every – they held every title in the heavyweight division. Well, I think I think they want to sell out San Francisco, and they're they're not sure. on pace to do that so far. And I hope they realize that the key to that isn't necessarily putting the titles on people who speak English as much as it is, as it is maybe not booking six six man tag matches. Maybe announce your card more than like two days before the show. Yeah, that helps too. I that think they got a little lazy after Long Beach sold out with no effort. Um, that being said. I agree with you about it doesn't matter who's holding the title. I'm real glad we already have tickets to Daytona because I'm sure with Omega now being champion and being there, the tickets for that yeah. are probably going pretty pretty fast. Uh, yeah, I really like this match. I didn't. I don't think I liked it as much as you. I think if we're looking at the uh, iconic super, you know, junior matches from there from the last few years, there's two or three I'd put ahead of. You know, there's a few I'd put ahead of it, um, and I also just like tag wrestling. But this one is definitely good and was worth uh it's worth watching for sure yeah we'll have people at daytona for new japan and obviously you and then ring of honor that following saturday for the tv taping so keep your eyes on that at fightful.com guys we're hitting you with dem exclusives all the time go over to fightfulwrestling.com click that exclusives tab iwgp intercontinental championship Chris Jericho defeated Tetsuya Naito yeah. to win the title. So we are getting more Jericho in New Japan. Yeah. For a while, I think, because they were kind of set up him and evil already. And kind of feels like it's been a hell of a run for Chris Jericho mm-hmm. in the ring, outside of the ring. Maybe he'll be in San Francisco. I don't know. I haven't looked at his schedule. Jericho attacked Naito outside the ring, then power bombed him through a table at ringside. I just want to say, those New Japan tables are the wave. I love them. They are great. I, I guarantee I don't the wrestlers wanna, probably I don't, don't ever want to go through them. I don't think the wrestlers think they're great because they look like they hurt a lot. Well, let me tell you, I'm not one of those wrestlers. You're not. So we I'm can not. enjoy the pain. Yes, we can. Jericho, uh, he really kicks Naito's ass. And, like, I can't even really tell the story of his beating. He hits a DDT on on the table, busts Naito open, and Jericho was getting Y2J chants and Jericho chants yeah. early on. It was weird. It was, like, it was like the polar opposite, maybe, of what they were going for, I think. Because, like, when Naito started his comeback, fans started booing. And it's like, yeah. I feel like they've – that might have backfired a little bit, but – the fans were kind of cheering and booing both of them schizophrenically. They were just cheering stuff they liked. No matter who did it, they were cheering for things and not guys. I was so happy to see a double underhook backbreaker from Jericho. Oh. He hit the lion salt and a lion tamer. Naito snaps and spears Jericho twice going on his, uh, going on this uh, offensive. He was getting booed before that burst, and – I love Jericho's audible sell when he hit the barricade. That was very funny. Naito picks up a shard of the table like it's Saturday Night Slam Masters and cracks Jericho with it. Naito's cut under his eye. I want to give Callus credit again. He mentions that the cut under his eye is better than one over his eye because if so, you'll bleed down in your own eye. Sure. Naito kind of starts to heal a little bit. Then the crowd gets behind him, which I thought was funny. Jericho countered the top rope Rana into a lion tamer. Audience is eating this up. Jericho looks kind of goofy waiting on Naito, waiting to jump off of the turnbuckles, but eats a tornado DDT. Naito working out of the, the walls of Jericho had the crowd on his side too. This has just been a roller coaster for this audience. There was even this, this period where Jericho saved this Destino botch with a pin. And they couldn't get on the same page and just start beating the shit out of each other. Mm-hmm. And it was real good. Yeah. I love it when you get two veterans like this and they you can't were watching stuff. Page. And they're yeah, just they, like, let's just start hitting people, hitting each other. It's okay, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Slap. Let's hit each other and hit each other. That slap by Naito was so gross and fantastic and just. Man. It worked. 
it worked. I liked it. Finally, Destino hits. And all said, if you didn't know, if you hadn't watched so much wrestling and knew it was a botch, you probably wouldn't know. Uh, New Japan completely misses Jericho get a two count off of a great code breaker. Mm-hmm. Gloria hit real hard after the knees up on the lion salt. This match was just taking me on a ride. Jericho avoids Destino by pushing the ref. Kicks Naito in the balls. I mean, right in the penis. And pins him with a code breaker. I loved this match. Afterwards, Evil makes the save when Jericho was attacking Naito. What did you think, John? I thought this match was almost, in a way, more of a spectacle than the junior match in a different way, just because you don't see, I like stuff that's different. Like there's certain styles that I like, but give me stuff. I'm not expecting. Give me stuff that I've not seen. And this was a brawl out of, you could have taken this and put it in like the mid South Coliseum in 1983 and Memphis fans would have been eating it up. Or you could have put this in Dallas Sportarium and told them it's Chris, you know, Chris Irvine Von Eric against Tetsu Freebird Tetsu Naito, and they'd have eaten it up. It was that kind of just crazy heated brawl that you just don't see a lot anymore in wrestling. And I thought that was really refreshing. Um, I was very surprised at the result. Just because it just it just came out of nowhere. I think it's big for New Japan. It's big for wrestling in general as far as just buzz and news and all of that. I love the fact that they were kind of screwing stuff up, but they just found a way to work around it and just, well, we're just going to beat the shit out of each other. That's just, that's fine. Um, and I think it's going to be a minute, I think, before he drops this belt. They're already kind of setting it up like, you know, Jericho and Evil. Um, he beats Evil. Maybe they go Jericho and Sonata. Kind of work his way back around the Naito. Um but I wanted to say some things about Jericho because I feel like this run, I feel like whenever he finally decides to stop wrestling and we take a look back, I think it's time to start talking about him as maybe, if not the greatest ever top five, not greatest, like in the ring, not greatest technician, but the greatest professional wrestler in all that encapsulates because of how long he's been doing it how many times he has reinvented himself, how many different audiences now he's gone and and done it and done it successfully, all the places he's wrestled, all the people he's wrestled, all the titles he's had, just the creativity he shows. um, I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing he's still performing, not necessarily like technical masterpiece wrestling but performing at such a high level after doing this for so long and his body's still able to hold up i know part-time schedule but still man it to me it's amazing and wdb still calls him up and they're like hey the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about that's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, can you work our, our tour in Asia? Can yeah. you appear at Raw 25? Can you come in and do this U.S. title match on SmackDown in the main event? Can you work the greatest Royal Rumble? It is quite special, and longevity is important. And Jericho has been on a national scene, well, essentially, uh, since ECW in early 96. So 22 years he has been on national TV. That is something incredible. Also, something incredible was this main event. Kazuchika Okada against Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega defeats Okada. 
before the two-year mark of this IWGP Heavyweight Championship reign. I mean, pretty, by statistically at least, the greatest IWGP Heavyweight Championship reign of all time ended by Kenny Omega. In my match ratings over on Fightful.com, which I post after pay-per-views and Raw, SmackDown, I gave it a 10 out of 10. And that seems to be the standard for big-time Kenny Omega matches. And Okada, Okada even took it a step above in this match. And I mean, usually when when I'm rating an Okada match, it's usually eight point seven five or nine out of ten at the very least. I think he went above and beyond. Two out of three falls. They went seventy minutes, mm-hmm. or sixty nine minutes, something like that, including the two minute breaks in between falls. The first fall, twenty eight minutes forty seven seconds. The second, nineteen ten. The third, sixteen fifty three. This was nothing short of amazing. They had to go back to the well a couple of times. But Jesus, man, this was special. Yeah. Um, you know, to me being older than you, you know, I was why I've been watching wrestling a couple of years when Flair and Steamboat was the thing, right? Like we watched that live on TBS because we're too cheap for the pay-per-view, whatever. You know, Flair, Steamboat, two out of three falls, New Orleans. And to me, that's always been my go-to on the greatest in-ring rivalry. It's always been my 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 benchmark, you know. And now I think, I'm not saying this is better, but it's on par. You know, I, it made me want to go back and watch all four of these matches again. And then watch Stop the Flair, Steamboat ones too. It's tough to compare eras because what worked then doesn't always work now, and what works now wouldn't have necessarily worked then. But uh, what they did definitely worked. Uh, Kenny Omega has Kota Ibushi as his second instead of the Bucks. There is an incredible series of counters that leaves both guys tumbling outside the ring for a sell spot early. Before that, the two had kind of played mind games for a few minutes. Omega connects with an awesome V-trigger as Okada goes for his body press over the railing. I will say the only ne- I had a couple of negatives in this match. Okada's 2018 pants may be as bad as Mickey James' flappy pants. <laughs> They're terrible. They're horrible. I don't know where he got them, but he needs to send them back. They're they're miserable. Also, a couple of times when Kenny Omega had his shoulders pinned on the mat, Okada picked him up and tried to do moves. Now, with his percentage of finishing people with the Rainmaker. I, I, I can give that a little more leeway. Also, far be it for me to tell Okada how to wrestle. But I went into this match expecting over an hour, almost like I expected Showtime Pettis and Ben Henderson in their last title fight to go five rounds. And it didn't go five rounds. So I also was very open to these two guys from a storytelling perspective to possibly swerve everybody. I wondered about that. I, I thought the first fall was going to be like a super quick little sprint, and then they go long. Yeah. I mean, it's New Japan. You know the main event's going to be long. It's just how it is. It's what you've come to expect. Any show, in any big show, it's not just a Cork and Hall road to whatever it is. The main event's going to be 30-plus minutes. It's just how it is. Personally, I would change that up from time to time, but whatever. I'm not going to tell Gato how to do things. I don't guess things are going well for him. Yes, they but, are. Uh, it was everything I think everybody expected and and more. Um my big thing coming out of it, and I was talking to a friend about this today, is I'm not sure what you do with Okada now. Does that, it take time hey, off? I mean, you, you can do a lot what of things do? with him. He's still the man. But can. he is, but I just wonder where he goes from here because there's no clear path. That's part of what makes it exciting. But, like, I can't see him going after Jericho. I can't see him getting like a tag partner and challenging the Bucks. I, I just wonder what's where does he does he maybe take some time off, which I doubt because I would imagine he's going to be in the G one. So oh, I mean he, he's their ace and he's thirty years old. So for the yeah. next decade, he's he's still going to be that guy. Ultimately, he's never held the Intercontinental title, and the story of Okada has been he loves to do things that he's never done before, True. and. That is something. I mean, we've seen the IC title become at least at one point almost on par with the the heavyweight title, at least within storylines. So that's something I'm I'm very excited to see. Uh, Red Shoes is still a terrible ref. I can't stand this guy's refing. Is he worse than Sinclair? 
Oh, it's, I that's would, tough. I would take uh, – I would actually take uh, St. Clair, I think. Neither of them are anywhere near as bad as Nick Patrick was. That guy was the most miserable, <laughs> dirt-worst ref. Uh, Omega springboards all the way over the barricade and gets a body press. <clears throat> Okada hits a tombstone on the apron and launches Omega outside with a sliding drop kick that I can only compare to when that little person wrestler got drop kicked off the apron. The the, the famous meme where he goes sit flying. That was that was Kenny Omega. I love uh, that spot. And this was Okada going into Omega territory. I always mention in my reviews how Omega does something a little different, whether it's a sell or a move or just switches it up. Okada doesn't necessarily do that all the time, but he did. And it was mostly on the offensive end, not the not the selling end, but it was still good. And as good as his standing dropkick is, his missile dropkick might be better. Uh, Omega gains a burst of offense, can't hit the one-winged angel. He transitions into the V-trigger and a German suplex instead of that. And the crowd bought it as a finish. They are cooking with fire. Okada hits two drop kicks and scores the old Bulldog SummerSlam 92 pin on Okada, gets that first win. What I liked about that pin is he went back to it later in the match, and because he had pinned Omega with it, the crowd was ready. They mm. thought they thought they bought it, and I bought it. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, they're going to go 2-0. It's going to be some big story within Omega's head, all that stuff. It's going to be really good. It didn't end up happening. There's a two-minute break between falls. And then Okada drop kicks Omega outside the ring, draping DDT. They go uh, Omega working his way back in the ring and hits a loud chop that really only served to anger Okada. Omega gets the table, places it on Okada at ringside before hitting a coup de gras. Essentially, I thought that was also a really good touch throughout this match. There were a lot of moves, and I mean that's that's a normal part of his arsenal, but it was almost. He paid homage to former Bullet Club leaders with regularity. Oh, I didn't catch that. That's yeah. There's the coup de gras. There's the Styles clash. I wish he would have done the 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 Carl Cutter. Essentially, I thought that would have been. It didn't register with me because there was so much. There's so much to take in on this whole show, but especially this match. I didn't. I didn't make that connection. That's good. Well, 40 minutes in, I thought that. It felt like 20 minutes in. Okada hits essentially the amplified attitude adjustment, which is a fireman's carry into a vertical suplex. Then Omega catches Okada going to the top rope in time to catch him with a cross-legged brain buster off the top. It was 42 minutes in, and they looked fresh as daisies. I loved Omega selling his ribs even as he ran the ropes. He was holding the ropes. And with a tornado DDT, he jumped with one arm, held his ribs at the other, and finished the move, John. But Omega doesn't sell. Him and the Bucks, they don't sell stuff. Remember that. What kind of an asshole watches this match? And there is one out there, I'm sure, that, like, oh, hate yeah. watch this. Man. Yeah, it's coming. Like, <laughs> the, the 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 Cornet podcast is coming, I'm sure. Oh, boy, I'm sure he didn't watch it. German oh. suplex off the apron through the table is teased, but Okada holds on to the ropes. <laughs> this is just really good. Omega switches to a dragon style. That doesn't work. Teases a one-winged angel, but it hits a spiked Rana at ringside. Tries to get the count out on that, but o- Omega or Okada makes it back in. Omega goes for the one-winged angel again. Eats a tombstone instead. Rainmaker. But he doesn't hit it. We get this awesome spiked Uranagi. 50 minutes in is the first time they looked a little tired to me. I am not keen on Okada set no selling a Snapdragon suplex. I hate that. That yeah. that that is the only thing I you know that and a couple other things. But Omega caught Okada in the air with a huge power bomb and a V trigger. Hit a double underhook pile driver for the near fall. The money maker. As oh, isn't isn't Kid Cash from your neck of the woods? He is. There you go. That's, that's all we'll say about that is he is, in fact, from this area. <laughs> 53 minutes in, we get the second fall with a one-winged angel. Okada has never kicked out of that. Whew. 53 minutes in. I really thought they were going to go past Daniel Bryan's one-hour 17 or 117 mark for the greatest Royal Rumble. But it was just incredible. This third fall, 
Omega eats a Rainmaker, and there's this happy accident where Okada or Okada sends Omega around so far that Omega kicks him in the back of the head. That was the coolest Rainmaker spot I've ever seen in my life, John. That ruled. There's so much. Great. I mean, I think you're hitting pretty much all the points. I think, man, it's just. This match honestly left me just kind of flabbergasted, and wrestling doesn't do that anymore. There's usually something I can say or point out or something, but like, oh. Dude busters, V-triggers. Nobody makes those V-triggers sound more deadly. Oh, yeah. Okada plays up the exhaustion, couldn't get get the Rainmaker. It was really, really good. They're trading trading strikes without much on them. A Rainmaker lands. He retains wrist control. But... (laughs) I loved when Okada tried to hit one, and he just had so little in the gas tank that it hurt him more than it hurt Omega. Then finally he gets one, and he folds up Omega with it, and Red Shoes is like, look, he's pinned, like telling (laughs) Okada to pin him. That son of a bitch. Finally, a big drop kick lands, and Okada picks up the flattened opponent. He is rewarded with a one-winged angel that was really close to being botched but these guys are so goddamn good that with momentum and exhaustion and everything against them they find a way to make it work and essentially it's a a, an electric chair bomb yeah where he didn't hook the head a v-trigger that hits so hard it almost takes out the ringside cameraman in one of the all-time great camera shots in the history of pro wrestling it makes up this, for all the missed camera shots early. The couple of missed ones earlier. It was outstanding. Kenny Omega wins the IWGP Heavyweight Championship with the One Winged Angel. The Young Bucks come out, embrace Ibushi and Omega. Holy crap! That was incredible, John. I liked. I don't know where I saw it. Somebody on Twitter said they liked the end because it was like the Bucks came out. And it was like the kids making up with the dad who'd been misbehaving, and then they expected they they accepted yes. their new stepdad Abushi. So, did you watch Being the Elite yet? No. no. So on Being the Elite, the Young Bucks present Kenny Omega and Ibushi. Well, they open the box. The I box. have seen the Golden Elite shirt, right? Is so that yeah? The that's, box? that's what that was. That's in the box. But there, there's there's even more to this. My God, these guys can tell a hell of a story. Because the end is Cody Rhodes going to the hotel room where they all are. And he wants to knock on the door. And we see Cody Rhodes come to the, the ramp after this match. And he's got a weight belt. And it says cleaner on it. So he's trying to make amends with Kenny Omega. And I, I want to say, Young Bucks, you're very, very smart. I see what you do dropping your shows on Monday, except for the night that CM Punk fights. Then you mm-hmm. drop it on a Saturday. Very savvy. The way that these guys are able to take stories, manipulate them into canon on Ring of Honor, New Japan, indie dates, is nothing short of magnificent. And they found a way to make a match in which some will call the greatest match in wrestling history. Some, I'm not going to say I will. And they made it even more interesting mm-hmm. because of a web series is oh, nothing short of masterful. And I look forward to watching being the elite every single week. There are a few things that as soon as they drop, bam, I'm on. You drop everything and go. I go it. and I watch that no matter what's going on, save something major. John, uh- let the people know where they can follow you on Twitter before we wrap up. Your uh, John here. underscore Morehouse, M-O-O-R-E-H-O-U-S-E. And I write the occasional burst of typing for you and other people and just kind of what's going on. I am disappointed to hear Cody's not going to be in the G1, though, because I thought maybe he that's where they were not. going. Kenny and Cody, you know, in the dome, maybe for all three belts. Who knows? That would have been cool. Like, Cody – Went beats Dalton Castle, and then he beats Nick Aldis, and then we just have a big match for all three belts. How about that? That would be That'd very be cool. That would be, be very something. cool. I would love to see that. John, thank you so much for joining me for this Dominion review. No problem. We'll do it again. We'll do this again for with some thoughts from Daytona. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. All Guys, right, cool. if you are new to Fightful Select, uh, just go over there and check it out. We've got tons of stuff going on over there. 
We will bid John adieu as I go into 205 Live, all that stuff. I will kind of rapid fire these. Uh, you had Lince Dorado over Brian Kendrick. I'm getting a little sick to see of seeing all the combos of Lucha House Party and Kendrick. The Shakers are annoying as fuck, especially for baby faces. Drew Gulak is the highlight of this. Lince wins, but who cares? TJ Perkins gets a squash. He is such an arrogant asshole on TV, and I really, really like that. Ali and Murphy went to a DQ. If WDB had MVP voting to determine importance to a brand, Buddy Murphy would maybe get my first place vote because without him, I don't know that I am. I think I'm probably about 10% as interested in 205 Live as with him. The guy is so good. He can work with anybody. He is a great heel foil. He did this great fireman's carry across the top rope where he dropped Murphy or where he dropped Ali. I don't like Murphy holding onto the top rope, waiting on a splash, but whatever. He does this cool F5 variation and a tornado DDT to the outside for Ali hits. Itami interferes, and usually I hate the idea of ruining a great main event to get heat, but Itami needed that heat. He really did. They want him to be a top guy on 205 Live because he's, he's a lot of unfulfilled potential right now. And he needed that heat, and him disrupting the flow and disrupting the paradigm of 205 Live, I think, is great. So 205 Live, I enjoyed again. NXT, Shayna Baszler's not the greatest promo, but goddamn does she exude realism. Everything she does just screams real. And Nikki Nikki Cross is fantastic at what she does. Baszler and uh, that punch was really, really good. TM61 went a squash. They needed to do that. Uh, Their highlight of this show, however was their reaction to Lars Sullivan's training segment, where Lars Sullivan is beating up a bunch of dorks in the performance center. I want to say Lars Sullivan is underwhelming even in his performance center things, but hopefully this match against Lars or uh, Alistair Black delivers. I, I think Danny Birch maybe should have beaten Roderick Strong because Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan, as I've mentioned, have been marginalized for so long that I think that they really he really needs as many wins as he can get. But the thing that I like about him not winning is how much Undisputed Era does care about winning. That goes so long, so far in pro wrestling for me, them just caring. That matters. Uh, also, Dunn selling like a baby face, it's so unlike him. I don't think it's really capitalizing on him as well, but you can only run back him and bait so many times. EC3 cuts a great promo on Ono. I really wish, I hope that EC3 feuds with Ty Dillinger at some point on the main roster so we can have the perfect 10 versus the perfect tan. And he can make Greg Hamilton say, he has the perfect tan. Got to do it. Really good dream ricochet vignette. I like that too. Also, Lacey Evans got a new theme. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Their match, they're being... uh, Lacey Evans and Kyrie Sane, they played the hits. Sane got the win. They they think more of Sane than Lacey Evans right now. She's a little further along, and they need that. And she could be a contender for Baszler down the line after Nikki Cross probably leaves. I was glad to see that Sane switched up the gear a little bit as well. Champa referenced Psycho Killer on the air and heals over it. I mean, they did, I don't think they referenced that a lot. I mean, the crowd chants it, but I don't know that they – Reference a whole lot. Champa puts Gargano in the Gargano escape. They pull the end credit swerve where they they put up the graphic, the copyright graphic, and Gargano attacks Champa and busts him open. This is just good stuff, man. I mean, I think that Chicago should be the end of the road, and then you move into EC3 and Gargano because that's ready-made. There's no reason EC3 shouldn't be pissy at Johnny Gargano after interrupting that match. Ring of Honor, Cody Rhodes and Bernard cut a promo. Marty Skrull interrupts. This is great. Marty Skrull interrupts and says that Cody is threatened by him, but they're friends, and he cares about him. This was a really good tease of the tension because they have this triple threat match with Dalton Castle coming up at the end of the month. They go to shake hands, and Marty grabs the fingers and teases breaking them, but instead just doesn't do it. That's good stuff. Tennille and her match with Karen Q looked like she was going through the motions a little early. That sure changed with the quickness. Karen was a good opponent, and she brought it, and I think made Tennille raise her work up a little bit. If Tennille can get down babyface facial expressions, I think she is going to be a 
great female draw on the independent circuit and Ring of Honor. Tennille got the win here. Silas Young gave Austin Aries no respect in this TV title match. Whoo! I love the suicide dive foil, the barricade slam in this. Young was giving Aries a welcome back to Ring of Honor. There's this nasty apron, Death Valley driver. Kenny King came in, kept Beer City Bruiser out of the ring, and then hit Silas with the title, and Aries wins and got a big reaction. Also, this this was a great reaction. Also, if there was any doubt that Kenny Omega should beat Okada, go listen to that reaction when, when he did, when he hit that finish. It tells you they made the right call. The decision gets reversed, and Aries goes and kicks King and Sinclair, the ref, in the ball, right in the penis. Man, I've missed that three times. Three times. Jesus, that was Ring of Honor. Impact Wrestling this week, they're, they're very obviously setting up a moose- Eli Drake feud. Moose needs to win that. I think Eli's on his way out. And I, I see Moose as the opponent for Aries in July at Slammiversary. That's just my speculation. Also, I'm pretty sure that Moose is under a contract for another two years. So you can really try to anchor your show to him, at least as best you can. I mean, if he's going to be around, go ahead and do it. That fight in the woods was goddamn entertaining. Uh, Eddie Edwards is not a good actor. actor. Alicia Edwards screams way too much, but he strangled, he being Eddie Edwards, strangled one of the OVE members. And it was just so cheesy and corny. And it wasn't as over-the-top entertaining as the broken stuff, but I'm glad they've stuck with it. We have an exclusive up on Sammy Callahan on the on the site right now, FightfulWrestling.com. But I can appreciate what they're doing. I like it. It was funny. I found myself laughing through the whole thing, and I was entertained through the whole thing. I wasn't laughing at it. I was laughing with it. Tommy Dreamer and Alicia Edwards show up and try to keep Eddie from doing this. If I were Impact, I would have really tried to get Davey. I would have really tried to get Davey Richards in for this, just this one appearance, say, do us a favor. I think it would really accentuate the story. But then you can't have Eddie attack Davey either, so... Maybe not, but that that was impact. You you had a couple of X division matches on there as well. I think they're going a little. They, they went from one end of the spectrum to the other. I think they need to slow it down on some of the X division guys. You got Brian Cage, you're pushing really hard now. You have an X division team as a tag team champions. So the the ring work is definitely faster paced, and they're they're building the, the Brian Cage deal, and I think he'll run through. Matt Seidel, I think they'll have a good match, but I mean, it's clear they want Cage to be that that champion, to be that guy. Let's talk about the Fightful Wrestling Weekly really quickly. It uh, publishes every Friday, 6 a.m. Our friends over at Pro Wrestling Unlimited do a great wrap-up on that, and of course, I talk about it every week on FightfulSelect.com, so you'll get a little bit of exclusive info uh, at Fightful Select, of course. But check out our friends at Pro Wrestling Unlimited. They are great people. I messaged Matt Riddle about that insane Doomsday Destroyer he did, which was a Canadian Destroyer while jumping, while while the opponent was essentially in a Doomsday device. It was incredible. He said, obviously, he didn't practice it. And he goes, how do you practice that? And I was just like, have an opponent willing to die. That's about it. Uh, SmackDown producers this week, Tyson Kidd put together the uh, handicap match between Asuka and Absolution. Uh, DeVille and... Asuka's interaction particularly got high marks. The brief Carl Anderson versus Harper match was put together by Arn Anderson. So uh, that was, I mean, that that made a lot of sense. Mike Rotundo put together the tag team match between the Uso or Jimmy Uso and Naomi against Lana and Aiden English. Adam Pierce pulled double duty by appearing in the, the backstage segment. And, uh, producing Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. Michael Hayes put together the six-man main event. Now, some of the <laughs> the script notes I have, the big cast promo in Raw was only listed as Renee, promo, Renee Young promo in the ring. Sorry, I'm reading this off of the Fight we're Wrestling Weekly, getting a little jumbled here. The contract signing between AJ Styles and Nakamura was listed as a live shot, so it wasn't a pre-tape or anything like that. Uh, also, the production script telegraphed that Paige would be hosting a Women's Money in the Bank Summit next week. 
The raw production script included directions for before the show, including needing to hang the Money in the Bank briefcases, lowering the lights, setting up a stool. These these aren't often included in the scripts. And this is the case for things later, for like achieving separation between Gender, Rollins, Roman Reigns. Kind of unusual. Also in the script, Kurt Hawkins was supposed to fight Steph Curry in Houston, which would have made the jobber a big heel. But they changed that to James Harden because they wanted that reaction to be a babyface reaction. So either WWE didn't realize what they were doing, didn't realize what town they were, or just somebody somebody put them in the know beforehand, though. So that's all that matters. Shows were titled Mask of Security, Insecurity for SmackDown, a reference to the Carmella Asuka feud. And Monday Night Raw was titled Believe in reference to the B team's emerging success. So we obviously talked to CM Punk and Colt Cabana about their cases this week. Those interviews up on FightfulWrestling.com. Uh, Pipe, Punk having this ruled in his favor pretty well opened up him to be able to make that comment that he made to us about how he was forced to work through concussions. That surprised me. It's really unlikely that WWE or Amon would want to try to go after punk for a statement like this, considering the loss that they just experienced. And because this type of interview in discovery and in testimony would open them up to several other wrestlers claiming that they maybe had to have to work through concussions. So they, I find it very Unlikely that they'll go after Punk for this. There are also questions as to whether or not CM Punk and Coco Bandit's friendship was strained by this trial as they hadn't appeared together in any form of media in quite a while. They seemed friendly during the case, and Punk told us that he was happiest for Cabana that he didn't have to go through this anymore. Punk never speaks to pro wrestling websites for any reason, but this was a special occasion. He talked to us, he talked to WrestleZone, and that was really it. He talked to Chris Van Vliet who is also on red carpets a lot. He works for TV stations, so that's how he gets access, and he won a goddamn Emmy. But we also spoke to Punk in 2016 ahead of his fight, and he talked to us about AJ Lee. So he's, despite having me blocked on Twitter, he does give us time of day here and there, but it's it's really rare. AJ Lee, we were told, jubilant after the trial. Uh, Fightful also spoke to Cole Cabana out of the courtroom, and he, he joked that we were going to get in trouble because our camera caught like a brief second of the inside of the courtroom, which you're not supposed to do. But he told us that he felt confident throughout the trial, but his attorney had prepared him for the unpredictability of a jury. His trial, his uh, attorney retired after this case and said that he had never in 40 to 45 years of law experienced such a quick verdict for a trial that took so long to complete. Despite all this, he never considered the podcast in question as something he'd done wrong. He just went punk to tell his story. He also encouraged podcasters to get insured. But I have to say, this lawsuit is a big victory for wrestling podcasting too because I, I often say this. I take great pride in the work that I do and the journalism that I do. And I'll talk more about the, the Corey Graves CM Punk thing throughout the week. I've still got to do some work on that. That is up at FightfulWrestling.com as well. But when we're on a podcast, I can't take things way too seriously. That's not fun for me. That's not fun for viewers. That that won't help us gain subscriptions. It won't help us gain readers. When I write something and it's a news article, it is done with com- out of complete objective reporting, and I don't take a side. When I'm talking on a podcast, it's a little more of a form of entertainment. And I'll clarify when something is is rumor and when something isn't what I'm reporting. So Cole Cabana going through this and also encouraging podcasters to get insured. That that's a that is a good piece of info. It is a big win for podcasters. There's a little more freedom. Now I don't think anybody should be defamed and just completely shit on for no reason, but as it turns out, CM Punk and Cole Cabana were in the right in this situation. And I don't think there was any question that that Colt Cabana at the very least was in the right. CM Punk got his ass whipped real bad, looked really terrible in the UFC last night. Seems in high spirits today. So that he considers himself one and one. Corey Graves went at him on Twitter. Again, you can read all that. We had an exclusive. We talked to Corey Graves, uh, which is very rare. Our Fightful Wrestling Weekly is going to likely be completely devoted to that story. 
and some of the weird stuff behind what the WWE and journalism, but as far as pro wrestling, it's, I, I was convinced that maybe punk was going to come back. Not so convinced now, not after this week, not after this reception and the polarizing reactions and a lot of the things that went on because of that. I don't know, man, hard for me to believe that he comes back at least anytime soon. I think that when one or two people don't necessarily like CM Punk, he thinks that an entire business necessarily doesn't like him. I have my full breakdown of the CM Punk thing on our 225 review. Go check it out. It's worth it. I want to thank you guys for joining me. I do one of these free previews about once a month, and I want to thank my subscribers at FightfulSelect.com for allowing that because – If they put the kibosh on it, I wouldn't do it. Ultimately, this is for subscribers. So please at least go out and check out FightfulSelect.com. Just take a glance at what we have to offer. We have multiple tiers. Maybe there's something in a lower tier that that you want, and you don't have to get the higher tier. Just check it out. We have everything from like very basic tiers all the way up to sponsor tiers where you can get a plug on our podcast every show for six months, be flown out to Toronto to do a show with us, and get the famed laser-engraved guitar. And those rates that we do on those sponsor tiers, we've had people say, oh, how can anybody afford that? I have people have had people inquire about those because the rate that you get for a plug on this show is significantly lower based on that subscription, that one-time subscription essentially, than it is if you were to buy a block for that, that amount of time. Thank you guys so much. If you are watching... On YouTube, somebody says, how's that gi? <laughs> They're sponsor for our non-Fightful Select shows this month. But yeah, omgi.com, use the code FIGHTFULMMA. That helps us out. Also, tell them you heard about them from us on Twitter. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, guys, we are out. Subscribe to FIGHTFULSELECT.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.